And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Uh, here we are on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Do you know we're also on Wednesdays at 9 a.m.? All of those times specific if you're li- listening outside of the Pacific time zone. And uh, we are also streaming live at richarddugan.com, and the podcasts of these programs um, are on SoundCloud. Cloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, lots of other locations that you folks are posting our interviews to. And hey, I can't thank you enough for doing that. I, I'm a one-man band, as they say, and uh, doing the best I can to uh, expand our reach and so forth. But when you do it, it is always so helpful. We uh, also are on YouTube. And if you want to subscribe right now, I'm sitting at uh, uh, an astounding number of subscribers. 19. And that's okay. I'm good with that because that's 19 more than I had a month ago. So if you'd like to subscribe, we would appreciate that. And every time we post a video of which we now have 100, 100 interviews up on YouTube right now and growing, we uh, certainly hope that you will uh, uh, subscribe and watch the the, the videos as well of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, also, if you uh, find this program resonates with you, you find this fascinating and interesting and you'd like to be a part of it, we could certainly use your help financially. We have a PayPal and Patreon account for your support. Uh, Security, I should say. Our support, but your security as well as ours. And uh, we also uh, are encouraging you to take time during this, the decade of perfect vision, to go within, to spend that time, that quality. That's where the real quality time comes in. When you spend that time with yourself, calmly, peacefully, meditatively if you want, prayerfully as well, uh, listening to that still, small voice that will guide you throughout your days, weeks, months, and years. I know that I do my utmost to listen and follow the promptings of, as I call it, my friend. So, my friends, please spend time with your friend. Spend time in that inner world of yours. And we thank you so much for uh, participating. Our program today is another one of those that is, uh, as I say, near and dear to my heart, even though I haven't experienced anything of this uh, ilk, although I've had the secondhand experience of having people going through this process. We call it a transition. We also call it death, dying. Uh, I've had a dear friend of mine in 2004 pass away in our home. Uh, I have had... uh, Relatives, my my uncle, one of my father's brothers, my uncle, passed away years and years ago of cancer. Uh, and um, then there are those who may be diagnosed with something, and everybody starts to freak out, thinking, "Oh, you better run and go see them before before they go." And so, and I'm thinking, okay, I can appreciate the sentiment, but why do I need to rush off to see them? I can call them, resume them. Certainly, I could go there. I could fly there if I've got the resources. That would be wonderful. But what would I do when I got there? And would I be imposing upon their personal time as they are getting ready 
for the inevitable, if you will, that transition? I don't know. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And we're going to talk about it with our very special guest all the way from Berlin, Germany. I think you are our first guest, uh, Claudia. Claudia, and her last name is uh, Gutzelman, and she is with us. She is a photographer. She's a director. She's uh, a, a creative and independent visual artist force for uh, brands that value inspiration, uh, spontaneity, and style. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is a, a, a subject, and I, I, I use the term, uh, the phrase, near and dear to my heart, only because it is so interesting to me. Because when someone passes, my first thought is, I wonder what they're doing. What are they experiencing? What's happening? And because mm -hmm. all I have are, I'm going to say, secondhand uh, accounts. I've had people who have gone through near death and out of body experiences with uh, which are, I suppose, similar. And maybe we can talk a little bit about those as well and how they how they relate to the actual transition moment of transition. Mm -hmm. But that's what that's what intrigues me. How did you become interested in this particular subject? Yeah, how did one, how does one become interested? Well, um, it was about, I would say, five years ago. I went through um, my own sort of life crisis. Um, again, I wouldn't, I don't want to even say crisis. I think it's another midlife transition, transformation. One thing ended, I, I you know, divorce, which totally put me in the gutter. And I felt I died. I, my life, the way I knew it, ended my friendships, my relationships, my future, the way I envisioned it, it all collapsed. And so I became really interested in, on the subject of death. I was so in, uh, intrigued because I truly felt I died. And as life has it, synchronicities, um, things pop up. So I found myself <laughs> six months later becoming an end-of-life doula, meaning I went through the education to help people at the end of life to facilitate as a doula. So and is this, is this yeah. uh, sort of what they call hospice work? No. So it's sort of, you know, it's, no. If you would hire me, Let's say you have been diagnosed with cancer, you have six, nine months to live, or you have a relative and your family would like to have work and find clarity or make this last phase of your life more meaningful. I could, you could hire me and I would actually help you facilitate this process all the way to the very end and help you even take care or find answers to the actual girl and what happens after. So this is someone who is there in a supportive role, but not in a role such as what we have here in the United States. And we, we term it, uh, I, I wish they would come up with a, with a different term. They refer to it as assisted suicide here in the West. 
Um, no. But I know of people who they reach a point in their lives where they say, look, I've done everything that I want to do. I, I want to leave. Mm. I want to go now. I'm, I'm, I'm not depressed. I'm not suicidal. I, I love my life. But there's nothing else. It's kind of like that contract, If and I'm sure that you probably uh, 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 subscribe to this philo- part of the philosophy of reincarnation, that we sign a contract. We have a contract when we come into this world. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've completed your contract and you just don't really have any interest in really doing anything else, I, 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 um, I was told about this one instance where this 94-year-old woman came to that point. She wasn't mm-hmm. terminal. She wasn't uh, dement. She didn't have dementia or Alzheimer's or anything. She was just. She says, "I've done everything I want to do." Mm. So that, but that's so, not. That is not what you are doing, though. You're not. You're not assisting in the process. You are there in a supportive role, shall we say? Well, yes. I. I mean, I'm assisting in the process for sure. Um, on all levels there are, but I I would not have the authority to um to 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 administer or you know the assisted mm-hmm. suiciding the topic. I can help um find clarity or gather information, but I wouldn't have legally the authority to to go there. So my role would be find answers maybe in these last six months of your life you would like to mend some relationships Mm. and you don't even know that you want to mend these relationships but i so i would help you to find out maybe there's a trip you want to make maybe there Mm -hmm. is some money matters you need to take care of what's your legacy have you ever thought of how your actual maybe you know last month last whatever week last day should look like and so i would work out a plan with you and find out when you say you say i really want to have a party i want to have all my friends around me i want to play this playlist of music and i want to have um daylight i want to be in a room where i could see the sun i want to have essential oils I want to have physical touch. I don't want to be prolonged. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever the question is, whatever the topic, right? I mean, so because most people have never thought about this before. And that is one of the things that um, I find interesting, especially considering my father, who uh, basically told me from a, I don't want to say an early age, probably in my teens, he shared this. He said, eat, drink, and be merry in moderation. Because nobody gets out of this world alive. And, and I've thought about that, and, and it stuck with me. And, and so I've tried to live by that. I've never had, a, a, you know, other than my, my, problem, my issues with soft drinks, soda, which I've been off of since July 23rd of 2020. I haven't had one since uh, mm. for, other, for other reasons uh, and so forth. But the, the point is that we don't, we, we fear the conversation. A matter of fact, I'm going to share this with our audience. I was having a conversation with one of my sisters. I won't say which one. And um, she was telling me that they did a, a scan and they found at one point, a few years ago, she had breast cancer. Mm. And so now they did this scan and they found these spots, tiny little, tiny little things on her spine. 
And uh, so she's going to go into treatment again and do the do what needs to mm-hmm. be done. She's in very good spirits. But I asked her point blank. Uh, I said, uh, so if you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer. And I'm not trying to be upsetting here. But are you ready? If the, if the day comes, are you ready? And she says, well, no, because my husband, uh, he uh, he doesn't know how to do this. that, And I says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about inside. Mm. Are you ready on the inside? And she's, oh, yes, yes, I'm ready. You know, when that day comes. Mm. Uh, and then I had somebody, after I shared this with someone, they said, oh, you need to go see her. You need to fly out there and see her before it's mm. too late, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said what I said at the beginning of the program. Do I really mm. need to fly off and see this person? Whoever it is, whether it's my sister, my father, my mother, um, because there's a part of me, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the one that's the experienced one in this. There's a part of me that feels as though if I do that, I am, in a manner of speaking, infringing, unless they request it, I'm infringing on their, their privacy, their, their time, because is it not true Claudia, that we go through this process, I mean, the transition itself, the Mm -hmm. actual transition, we all do it alone. Well, yes and no. I think there's something when you are with your beloved ones. And so the first thing, you know, when we're born is touch before we are speaking or can smell is touch right we have felt we're coming out of the birth canal and there's been many situations where literally at the end when you can hold somebody's hand or you you just the presence of this even so they are not mentally maybe they're completely anymore they cannot communicate but the energy and the physical presence of you being there is probably enormously supporting and beautiful um, if you should fly there or not, I mean, that would be a question of to your beloved one, right? You would have to really say, would you want me to be there? And maybe they're shy and maybe they don't, I think it depends on the generation, but let's say the older generation, they probably say, I don't want to burden you. But if you dig a little bit, maybe then that is what they want. Mm -hmm. Because it's a last sort of saying, also you make peace. It's a multiple peacemaking, a last looking in the eye, a last touch, a last energy exchange. Because both of you sort of, whatever the person transitions to, but you can also live with that for yourself. Mm -hmm. There's something that you say, "I, I went and I hugged her, him. And I said my goodbyes. And that's, it's very powerful to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and of course, that's something that I, I even said to this person who suggested it uh, and almost mm-hmm. um, almost demanded it. You need to go, you know. Uh, I'll call her and mm-hmm. ask if that's what she wants. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's deeply birth personal. So, there, you know, there's no yeah. formula. There is nothing. I mean, it's people... It's really about digging in and reaching that level of vulnerable communication and talking and asking and that it's a thing of trust also. 
of mending relationships of like, wow, you're going to be there for me. You know, there's a lot of history. We all have history, right? So it comes yeah. up and be like, well, you never have been there for me. And now you want to be there for me. There is forgiveness. There is like letting go. How can each party let go? How can each party do be seen? And then it's that really, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so personal. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. You know, we all, I always say, we should do whatever we think the way, the best way we can show up so we can live the rest of our lives. With yeah. It. I think maybe this is where uh, one needs to go within and ask the question to the still small voice, uh, in this case for myself, mm. you know, should I go? And yet the yeah. response keeps coming back. Check with her. Check yeah. with her. She's uh, because she is we have had uh, a rather interesting, uh, uh, good and interesting uh, relationship mm -hmm. over the years. But of the last few months, uh, we have talked much more, especially about our individual health and wellness and those kinds of things. And mm -hmm. and she's happy to hear my voice as I am hers. Um, she has probably within our family, she has probably one of the softest voices <laughs> mm -hmm. of, of all of us. I'm probably the loudest. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, you know, so that's that's been a good thing that at least I can honestly say with regard to all of my siblings and not everybody can. I have no strained relationships with any of my uh, brother or sisters or parents mm. for that matter. Uh, right. Some might say, oh, it must be like a Norman Rockwell painting. I said, well, hey, just like any family, we've had our disagreements. We've had our arguments. We don't all mm. believe the same way. We don't all vote the same way. We don't all think the same way, which is a good thing. Right. Let me ask you, you know, Claudia. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what. Let me back away from that question and let you respond to what I just said. Well, I was just going to say that it's good that you don't hold any, um, let's say, grudges. Let's use this word. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time, it's actually not worth it. We get so hung up on things. And when we check in with ourselves and we're like, is it really worthwhile in a month, in two months? Most of the time, the answer is no. So it's beautiful that you can say, you know, may, we know, may not agree on everything, but we're on good terms. Because... The thing also is, again, we right now currently in our society, we make death optional, the way we live. Right? When you look at the media, it's always prolonging, prolonging. It's like it doesn't even, if it's not even existing. But there's no guarantee. We can go to sleep tonight. We may not wake up tomorrow. So I feel very deeply, and I'm very passionate about this, that we should live every day like it is the last day of our life. And make beautiful memories with the people who touch us throughout our day. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. Claudia Gutzelman is my guest, photographer, director, and um, renaissance woman, you might say, of sorts. Uh, we're going to find out a little bit more about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are uh, talking about that, uh, that period, that, that space, if you will, in time, when we transition from this physical body out of it, we, we take off this coat 
I, I'm, I would use another term, but I don't care much for it. Uh, the meat suit. I, I, that I don't know. Uh, we'll just take in, we're going to we're going to change vehicles, ladies and gentlemen, is what we're going to do. We're going to hopefully get a, a newer, upgraded model, all computerized. Well, I don't know about that, but nonetheless. And it's just that process of transitioning that we're talking about. I want to ask you, this is the question I backed away from. After you received your training. Uh, as a doula, mm -hmm. what was it like the first time for you experiencing someone else's transition? Now, I've been through a divorce, so I know that experience, and you're right, it is like a death. So I've had mm -hmm. that personal experience in that regard as you. Mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't actually been there holding someone's hand or in a room when they have actually left. I've had animals, which I guess is the right. same kind of thing. But tell me, what was it like for the for you the very first time? It's incredibly rumbling and touching and raw and beautiful, the mystery. Um it's incredibly intimate. I would use all these words. It's it's and it's each time it's different. It's I don't know. It's very emotional, yet it's the most normal. It's a gift. It pushes me personally in this very intense feeling of aliveness, even so we're at the very end of somebody's life. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to just add, I mean, this is why I'm so passionate about this because if we even if we don't go through somebody or, or participate or accompany somebody else's death but if we can envision somehow and embody the emotion of somebody's death I hope and I wish that we that that would catapult us into a different way of looking at life itself when my wife and I went to Ireland in 2002, uh, the, actually it was the Christmas, Christmas 2002 through New Year's 2003, uh, one of the first things that we did as we're traveling, uh, she wanted to stop at the cemeteries, which have incredible tombstones. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, that's kind of strange. And the more I thought about it, the less I thought it was strange, and I began to realize, and this is an area I want for us to dive into, I began to realize it dawned on me, all of these people that have been buried here, all of these people helped to build these villages, these towns, these communities, these families. Mm -hmm. And so the legacy they have left behind isn't a tombstone and a, a spot in the ground. It's the continuation of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautifully put. I think we all leave something behind. And it's also a question we should really ask as we are in the middle of the life. What do we want to leave behind? What, what should my legacy be? What could it be? Mm -hmm. And then it becomes really like, what is the purpose of my life? 
What can I contribute to humanity or to Mother Earth, to this oneness I get to live on? I think they're all very beautiful questions. And again, they, they, if we really engage with them on them on this topic and we maybe we journal about them or we talk to somebody else, wouldn't you think that that really shifts the way we walk through life mm. in a much more deeper appreciation? Yeah. yeah. And I think right now, again, I have to come back to this, the way we live in a very generic sense, but it's the same all over the world with the social media platforms and so on. I think we're losing more and more touch to that deep, deep substance of that grace. Of that of life of a life lived, hmm. right? Even though those watching on the YouTube channel can't really see this, you have a beautiful smile, and mm. you have a uh, a lovely and uh, a bubbly demeanor, if you will. Uh, even though you do speak, you, you have that quietness about you, that that gentleness mm. about you. How is it that you uh, work? Uh, or and and I'm asking this more of a on a, on a, a a physical practical level. You work with people to mm-hmm. uh, aside from those who are getting ready to transition. Uh, you also work with people in terms of your photography directing and so forth. Uh, tell us a little bit about that work and and how you help people to. I guess what brand themselves and what they are doing. Let's say their purpose in life. Yeah, I feel like it's 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 sort of all came together. So I've been a photographer forever, and ever and since since so I started on this new journey, on this new path, you know, with the end of life and the coaching and all of that. I come to realize that I have been all my life a people person, and when you're a photographer, you need to connect with somebody instantly because that subject is in front of me, and we have to establish a trustworthy relationship in no time and in order for me to capture the person we have to you know make that connection so it's sort of i feel that this was the beginning and now i'm into this new on this new path but it's basically just the same i'm Mm -hmm. connecting with people and people always trusted me i don't know it's just people tell me their stories (laughs) It's it's fascinating. So, you know, I feel honored. I guess it's my my calling. They you you have such a a presence that people just feel comfortable opening up to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, that is more of a question, <laughs> but oh, yes, it sounds like that's what you are saying. My wife is sort of the same is, way. Yeah. My wife is yeah. sort of the same way. Uh, she she'll come to me sometimes. We'll be sharing our day. And she'll say, you know, uh, one of my patients said this, that, or the other thing. Isn't that weird? And I said, uh, no, that's not weird. <laughs> uh, because there's something about you and your personality, mm-hmm. and I say this to you, Claudia, that just makes people feel at ease. Yeah. They, they, can, they can feel, they can go ahead and be vulnerable and open mm-hmm. up to you. Uh, and yeah. there aren't a lot of people out there that others feel that comfortable with, especially if you are, quote unquote, a stranger on the street. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm guessing that that's probably happened to you more times than not, where you may meet someone for the very first time and all of a sudden they are sharing things with you that you yeah. like, well, I'm not your therapist. We don't have a confidentiality clause here. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure you want to share this with me? You yeah, buried it, who, it ha- where? <laughs> no, it's, you're right. It happens, and it happens on the photo shoots, too. It's it's fascinating. I mean, I have had so many situations and beautiful situations. It's it's interesting because actually photography is still, up to this day, a much more male-occupied profession. Mm-hmm. And um, so I used to live in San Francisco for a very long time where I would uh, shoot a lot of CEOs, Um in startups and so on and usually they have you know PR agent and they're like make it quick you don't have time you know he's da 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 busy and I don't know and then this connection happens yeah. and suddenly they're everything just drops away and they're like wow I want to talk to you <laughs> like okay you know I'm here we talk I would venture I would venture you've had a few experiences where people have shared some things that have maybe surprised or astounded you a little bit. Really? I can't believe that. But you I you, that's probably going on in your head. You would never say that out loud. I can't believe because you're there yeah. to be supportive. And if you were to look at it, would you say that as these people are sort of opening up to you, they are going through with your support just by listening and being there they're actually going through a period a a phase in their physical material lives of transition Mm, yeah i think at the end of the day we're all human we're all carry grief and drama and we're all broken and we all seek support and mostly i think we seek meaningful connections Mm. we seek to be seen to be heard and how we truly are, flawed, scarred, you know, whatever makes us beautiful, I think makes us beautiful. Yeah. All the way from Berlin, it's uh, Claudia Gutzelman. She is a photographer, director. I'm curious about your photography. Um, uh, Now, I realize most everything is digital today, and I take pictures on my camera. I have actually a digital camera. My wife has a beautiful I don't know. She paid several hundred dollars for this digital camera several years ago. Um, But I took a course in college (coughs) back (coughs) in the uh, 80s. (laughs) Black and white photography. Um, I had all of the chemical trays and all of the chemicals. I had all of the equipment to process the 35 millimeter film all the way through to the print. Do you have that experience behind you as well? I I definitely have. I have done all of that. And I still have boxes and boxes of negatives, and I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> well, you know, uh, there are there are scanners now that will actually digitize and actually uh, they will pr- uh, not print, but they will digitize them right. in as as a print or uh, as as if you were to uh, process it in the enlarger and so forth. Um it's- I know, I know it's still a lot of work. Oh, I know. I hear you. I've got a bunch of negatives as well. Uh, I still have a bunch of uh, pictures that I processed. I don't have the enlarger, the trays, the chemicals anymore. 
Um, mm. My brother was not too happy with the fact that I had that whole thing set up in our bedroom. Did not. The, my father's making wine in our bedroom smelled better than the photography uh, chemicals. <laughs> right. I can imagine. But I have to say, to I miss it. Inhale all those chemicals. Right. But I miss it. I really do. Having, I mean, you're not just taking the picture. But now no. you have the opportunity, especially with the enlarger, with, with you know processing to the photo paper, you can you can uh, manipulate it in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even took some uh, clear plastic. Uh, pu- this clear plastic puzzle is a geometric puzzle that I would put together. I would set it on top of the photo paper, and then of course expose it to light. And I've got some pictures like that. Uh, I was just playing around, which is how right. a, a lot of wonderful innovations come along. What would you mm-hmm. say is one of your uh, innovations uh, in photography as you have worked with people? And uh, are your are your photographic uh, scenes and, and images mostly of people or is it it is a complete mixture of everything? No, I think it's been always people. I'm super intrigued. I've always been intrigued about people. So way back, I lived in Africa, and that's sort of how it all started. I traveled and I started photographing faces, faces Mm -hmm. of Africa, tribes. And then it led to a photo exhibit, huge blown up, like really interesting, you know, wrinkly, beautiful faces in Munich in the Stock Exchange and and then, I don't know, it's just, yeah, I guess I've always been fascinated by who we are as humans. You know that the Native American tradition, at least as I, it has been shared with me through whatever means, uh, is that uh, there is the belief, and I'll tell you what, I will take correction on this uh, from any Native American who wishes to, uh, that when one takes one's picture... Uh, they are sort of stealing their spirit. And mm-hmm. there is some truth to that because there's a, a gentleman here in the States. Uh, his name is Stephen Lewis. He's not the only one, I'm sure. But he has a program called the EMC Squared program where you send him a photograph of you head to toe. He then inputs that information into his computer that analyzes your vibrations, okay, mm-hmm. your frequencies, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And can detect imbalances. That's what it is, imbalances. And then what his computer does is sends out what we will call the balancing frequencies. Hmm. Wow, fascinating. Another gentleman uh, who goes back into the 20s and 30s, 1920s and 30s. um, I cannot believe that in 10 years I will have to be more specific if I'm talking about the 20s. (laughs) 19s or 2020s. Um, that uh, a gentleman by the name of Royal Raymond Rife, who basically um, who basically designed a machine called the Rife Frequency Generator that basically does the same thing. Only in this case, he was using live tissue. He was testing it with the frequency generator, and then he would then the generator would then generate the balancing frequency for whatever the we'll call it dis-ease is Mm, fascinating stuff so when you are taking images of people do you and i'll use this term do you pick up their vibe yeah 
I'm definitely picking up the vibe, always. It's totally about the energy which comes from the person. It's like you walk into the room and it's right there. Actually, it's fascinating. Let's say I walk into the room and so I have often a very big crew and, you know, it's a collaboration. I have the hair, the makeup, the stylist and there's art directors and whatnot, right? So, and then it's my job. And if I am not having the right vibration or if I don't keep it together on that vibrational level, then a lot of things can go haywire because everybody is sort of looking at me at this vibe, you know, it's like, it's all energy, right? So it's, 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 yeah. Or somebody had a, you know, somebody had a fight, the hair and makeup person comes in all stressed out, the coffees spilled over the clothes and everybody somehow picks up on it and gets stressed. I mean, it's so obvious and especially when you're in a closed room even more suddenly the energy stays in this room you feel like you need to open the windows to let it out. seriously one of the things that i found interesting okay. uh in uh in this process is we're talking about you know you picking up on the vibes of people yeah uh is that when i was i think it was seven seven or eight and uh, my grandmother on my mother's side of the family passed. And this was, she passed around Thanksgiving of that year mm. that we have here in the States. Uh, and um, there we were in the church and I was beside myself. I think it was more a lack of understanding than anything else of what had happened. Mm. And I was so beside myself carrying on. My mother even said, if you don't calm down, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to take you outside the church. And mm. I, th I think I did. I think I did calm down. When you are being the doula for the transition of someone and you have family members around, is there an unwritten or is it a spoken, I don't want to say rule, but for lack of a better word, that we all must maintain a certain level of calmness, peacefulness, etc. This is not a this is not a horrific event. Okay, this is to this is to be a peaceful and and if you will gentle event. That's what it is for us. It's an event for them too. Uh, and uh, if if you're unable to maintain the energy in the room in that fashion, you know we're going to have to ask you to step out. No. You're welcome to come back if you can, you know, bring it down. Is there is there anything along those lines when you are going through this process with family and friends? I think it's similar to to actually the photo shoot. It's unpredictable, mm -hmm. and again, I I mean, I can project that energy, that calmness, with my whatever I say, whatever I do and make people feel safe. But at the end, it's also not my role to control anything. And if emotions want, want to arise, they want to arise. There's something also beautiful about the emotions. And then maybe I can help facilitate. Um, again, it's so personal. It's really hard to, to say. 
Or, or would you just let it unfold? Would you just let it unfold naturally and just deal with uh, and just just keep moving through and let the people stay that kind of thing? Because people are going to experience what they're going to experience. And exactly. I mean, I cannot say please. No, I can. I can never say please. Can you keep quiet or down? Never. You know, I, I could say. Wow, you feeling? Are you feeling the pain? Maybe can I hold your hand? Yeah, yeah. Or do you want to move closer to the bedside, or do you, or do you need to, you know, step out to have a moment with yourself, or you know, any of those things? Mm-hmm. That would be the way to talk about it. Yeah. But then, whatever happens, unpredictable. What about the experience that the individual is having? Are, are you ever dialoguing with them as they are entering that phase, that final phase, those final moments, those final breaths? Are they? Have you had communication with them in that regard uh, that compares with many of the other books and studies that have been done of people who are passing and maybe what they are experiencing? Is it similar to the near-death and out-of-body experiences others describe? No, I mean, it's also, is that person really still present? Mm. Is that person still able to communicate? Is that person medicated? Is that person already in, in like, on the way? Mm-hmm. Is there, maybe, sometimes you just have to whisper, it's okay. You're safe. You can let go. And maybe that's all it takes. Maybe they're waiting for a relative to arrive. They just feel that energy of that relative coming. And then sometimes it's messy. Sometimes there's tears. Sometimes there's something needs to be said, which wanted to be said all the life and couldn't be said. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's intense. And you know, and also raw. It's raw. But we 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 don't know what comes up when we arrive at that very moment. But you know, for me, the most heart wrenching is if somebody would say, "I wished I would have spent more time with X, Y, Z. I wished I would have told that person I love her more." I mean, that's that's yeah. to me is like, wow. Yeah. There was a, a musician here in the States, uh, David Cassidy, who passed away. He played uh, mm-hmm. Keith Partridge in the Partridge family back in the 60s and 70s. And they say his last words, which I think were extremely profound. They go along with what you've just said. His final words were, so much wasted time. Oh, oh. Yeah. 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 And yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Have you ever <laughs> consulted with uh, mediums, if you will, intuitives who are in touch with or have been con- contacted by those that you have been there for? Has that ever been an experience for you in terms of uh, sort of... Uh, I don't know, bringing it full circle where you help the person to transition and now a medium or intuitive, what have you, comes to you and says, by the way, so-and-so that you assisted uh, just wanted me to tell you or maybe they channel this person. Have you ever had those kinds of experiences? 
Um, not in that sense, but maybe that connection. My 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 brother passed away, um, and then I my brother drowned in the lake. So I was actually not there when it happened. And then I was at that point. I mean, I flew home, and then I went back to Asia where I lived at that at that time. And there was this. I had a couple of crazy nights where I felt like he was visiting me, and I had this. It was almost like he stood in front of me. I felt him. I almost saw him. And I was very like trippy in a way, right? Because we're not we're not really used to these kind of outer body, outer worldy encounters. But there was something which helped me to make peace. And I, I'm convinced that it was just him coming and telling me those things he needed to tell me. I, th I think I had something similar when my uh, wife and I went for our second trip to Ireland in 2004. The year prior, October of the year before, our, our dear friend passed away in our home. He lived across the street from us for a long time, lost the lease. We said, well, why don't you move in with us until, you know, you, you find another place? And he's OK, sure. So he did that. And I had a dream. And it was an auditory dream. But we were in Ireland at the time and um, I was sleeping. And this was like the day or two before we were to, to travel across the Atlantic to the Aran Islands and to uh, Inish Moor. And the dream basically was the sound, the, the voice I heard was his. And he said, don't say anything bad in front of Bridget. So next few days, we're there on the island. And I, I told my wife about this dream, too. I said, it was weird. I don't know what that means. Um, anyway, so we're there on the island. We're there at one of the uh, churches where the cemeteries are and so forth. Mm. I'm there at this altar. And there's this round concrete uh, stone disc with a hole in it. And I'm saying, oh, taking pictures of it and just joking around. Oh, this was the very first wheel on the planet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. My wife comes over and says, uh, you need to come over here. I said, OK. And there was a tombstone flat on the ground and it had been engraved. And she says, read the name. Now, my wife's last name is McDonough. Mm -hmm. And the name on the tombstone, last name was McDonough. And the first name of this McDonough was Bridget, to which I immediately put my hand over my mouth, literally put my hand over my mouth and walked away <laughs> because that auditory dream came back to me. Don't say anything bad in front of Bridget. Um, wow. so, so I felt yeah. like not that it was necessarily a warning or anything of that nature. Just, hey, I'm here. Yeah. You're good. Okay. You just keep the conversation light and what have you. Um, right. So obviously we all have those kinds of experiences from time to time. And it's fascinating mm -hmm. to me to, um, to share, share those kinds of insights. Um, I've had people that have passed friends and I'm sitting there in the church at the memorial service or the funeral. And I'm just kind of looking around, you know, going, I wonder where they are, what they're doing. And I began to realize, wait a minute. Now they're omnipresent too. They're mm -hmm. everywhere. Because now yeah. they're spirit. Right. Do you get, my wife, we had a, a, a cat who passed away in her arms. And she felt the cat 
when it finally took its last breath, pass right through her. Have you ever had any kinds of physical manifestations in that regard when an individual passes as you are performing your uh, doula? No, uh, no not, not in that powerful way. But there's, again, I have to come back to the energy. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's there's definitely that leaving of, of energy. So the soul, there's something... It's absent. It's gone, and it's almost like it's it's it's. I don't know how to word it. It's this when you feel the energy, and then it left, and it should still be there. Yeah, it's it's so it's the mystery. That's almost too too much to put words to it. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the yeah. social aspects of all of this. Um, Certainly, I am very glad and would love to have you there, uh, you know, and it'll be about 40 years uh, when mm. I transition. That's what I'm hoping, okay? Right. Maybe 50, who knows? Uh, could be 50, could, could indeed. Yeah. Uh, tell, me about, uh, tell me about the whole social ramifications that we as a society and across the globe have a hard time with all of this. What do you mean by social ramifications? Could you elaborate a little bit more, please? Okay. Well, we have a real hard time um, dealing with this, with with death and dying. We 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 yeah. we want to. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to discuss it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to go anywhere near it because it means we then can't have these people around us anymore. Can you talk to us a little bit about your observations of uh, is our society changing? Are we getting more comfortable with it? No, I think there is much more fear than ever because we are getting way more disconnected from our traditions. And I mean, for instance, here in Germany, the old houses, you know, that the doorways were much bigger because the, um, the, 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 the coffins would be brought home and it would be a family event. And um, so it would be a communal gathering and it would be, you would come together and you would celebrate the person. Now it is, you know, why, why is it that we have so much fear? It is because it becomes a very hostile, often alone in a hospital room event mm-hmm. where there is neon lights and, and PP machines instead of an, a ritual where we all come together and hold that person and transition together and, and then celebrate whatever, you know, that person's life was. I think if we come back to these traditions, then we would also view death in a, again in a different way. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. that the medical community... And I say this in a general sense, because I know it's not true across the board. But in a general sense, do you think that the medical community has a difficult time with death because they don't know when to say when? You know, we, you and I probably would agree that we would rather have quality of life than quantity. Yeah. Um, but the medical community doesn't see it that way. They think that if you die, they've lost. Right. And that's, so that also gets into problem. the area of 
what is healing? What is, what is, what is really the real definition of the word healing? Now, I'm mm-hmm. a Reiki master, mm-hmm. and I know better than to send energy, absentee or otherwise, to someone who is in a state of dis-ease mm-hmm. and say, okay, this is what I want you to do with this energy. Okay, we want you to heal your cancer or heal your arm or this or that or the, whatever the dis-ease is. But I was taught as a Reiki master that is not your that is not your place. It is mm-hmm. not your intent. Your intent is to send them the added energy to do with whatever they choose to do with. And I mentioned mm-hmm. my my uncle who passed away, my father's brother, and he was dying of cancer. And we did an my wife and I, who are both Reiki masters, did an absentee healing. And my mother told us following the funeral what happened shortly after we sent that absentee healing. He took his medications, threw them across the room against the wall, got into his wheelchair, wheeled across the ranch to his son's house where they had, I guess, a time of closure. And shortly thereafter, he passed. Mm. And so then you have to ask yourself, what happened? What went wrong? How come he wasn't healed? Because that's not why we sent it. We sent it mm-hmm. for him to use in whatever mm-hmm. capacity he chose to. And he did. Mm-hmm. He had closure with his son. He let off a little steam. And so now you'd think, okay, so in a matter of speaking, he is healed. Because now he's free from that physical body. He's, he's, right. he's gone in for the upgrade. Right. He's, he has done what he needed to do in order to let go. Yeah. So I, I totally agree on that. So the medical yeah. community and their perspective on death and then, of course, the whole aspect of healing. Maybe we, you, you can transition from your perspective uh, from one to the other there in terms of uh, the fact that, yeah, we do need the medical community. Because if I break my arm, you know, I want someone who knows how to set it and, and so forth so that it'll knit back together and I can be functional again. Do that. There are certain things right. we need orthodox medicine for. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we totally, absolutely need to trust medicine. But why do we, should we really need to hand over death completely to doctors? No, I don't think so. And this is, you know, but it's this, it also when you right now, I think in the US, maybe it's in Europe, I guess the same way, you call 911, then you are in the hospital. In order to come back home, it takes a lot of effort for the family to bring you back home you probably most likely will pass in the hospital. And they have the incentive to keep you alive as long as possible because it looks bad on a statistic level for the hospital if, you, if they if somebody died. So this is where it gets all very messy, right? And mm-hmm. so then you have to have your paperwork in place, your will, your, your, you really need to know if this is going to happen I mean, even like now, people should really have to sort it out and say, if I ever get to the hospital and I'm in a condition, I really want to come back home or I don't want to be prolonged and it needs to probably be notarized and all this. But then only then they can allow you, along with your family members, to bring you back. Otherwise, you are there. And that's, again, it's heart-wrenching to me. It's like, wow. Yeah. I I... I again, I just find it so. I think it's so unfortunate that we have lost so much uh, over the centuries 
You you talked earlier a little bit about ritual. I mean, I being ra- ra- born and raised Roman Catholic, I, I love the ritual, the tradition, the ceremony of the church. I'm no longer practicing. Uh, I jokingly say I got it right. I practiced all I needed. I had my re- I have my recital, and I'm I'm moving on. Uh, <laughs> but I still love the incense and the candles and the robes and the and the pageantry and all of that that surrounds it. And sometimes it feels as though not uh, primarily the westernized countries, not just the West, but the westernized countries, they have moved so far away from those rituals, those Mm -hmm. ceremonies, those milestones Mm -hmm. that we don't have points of reference anymore. Granted, there are those who would say, well, you know, death, it's, it's the last part of life. That's true. But why can't we bring those back and have that kind of a, a ceremony? Have, that, that would be another question for you in terms of your doula duties um, in helping people to transition. Uh, it isn't just sitting there holding their hand necessarily or, if, again, if they want physical contact, hug them or what have you. Uh, what about uh, uh, some type of ceremony to to celebrate the life they've lived. And, and while they're there, it's kind of like, uh, it's almost like I would love to go to my own, my own funeral. So maybe I'll hold my funeral before I leave. So maybe I can deliver the eulogy. (laughs) Seriously. No, you're laughing, but this is it. This is exactly the work. You know, if you, if we, let's say hypothetically, we work together and then we find out because you never thought about it before, but then you realize this is actually, I want to do that. Then I help you to make that happen. We, we find out step by step what it takes to make this happen. Yeah. And it's your last wish and it's your death. Why would you not want to create it the way you want to create it? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it's, why are we giving this again over to the last minute where we don't have to say, oh, I wished I thought about this earlier. And mm-hmm. then it's stressful. And also the family members, why not really engage on the topic now? And then we don't have to stress. And then it also really brings us back to what is truly important in our life right now. What do I need to do to live a good life? What? And then if it happens that I can say I lived I felt alive. I dared. I I went as close to live my dream as I could. And that is so powerful. And then we probably would make a little, you know, adjustment in our everyday life. Yeah. And as I said earlier, because maybe things we do, the time we waste, we realize it doesn't it that's not important. But the quality time we spend with our beloved ones. Even how we see them, how we nurture the relationships would be different. Because we're like, wow, it's a gift that I get to wake up and I could walk over to my friend and have lunch with him. Mm -hmm. And say, just say, I'm grateful. Thank you for sharing, gifting me your time today. That is the meaning we seek so badly, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's interesting uh, that, that as we talk, these different thoughts come into my mind. I shared with you this dear friend of ours who passed away in our home. Well, while he was living across the street from us, we ha- there was a little bit of um, tension between the households uh, for about six months. Mm. 
And it was after his passing, and we'd, we'd repaired the damage, we'd reconnected and everything, obviously, because we invited him into our home uh, uh, after he lost the lease. And after his passing, I was sharing with my wife saying, you know what? The only thing I regret is that that little rift we had for six months, how we missed out on the dinners that we would have together, uh, mm. the, the conversations that we would have, some of the projects. Because I was hoping he would teach me how to do certain elements of mechanic work on, on, on a car because I mm. know very little about how to do all of that. And I was really hoping he could do that. And it's not that my father couldn't or didn't. It's that he didn't drive. I didn't drive at the time. Uh, but um, I wanted to learn these things. I still right. have uh, one of his tools for repairing brakes, one of these uh, mm-hmm. devices for holding the calipers together as you're doing whatever. That's something that you're talking about in terms of these rituals or these ceremonies that we would have now while the person is with us that maybe we can Uh, i've always felt i don't know about you claudia but i have always wanted to give people the benefit of the doubt no matter what they've done to me uh Mm -hmm. you know if they've tried taking advantage or this or that or the other thing i just it's like i just don't have any use for the drama you know what's it good for i i i want to be able to work with this person and do some fun stuff together mm-hmm. rather than worry about, oh, gee, I don't know, because he did this 10 years ago to me, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Really? You're still holding on to that? Right. It's wow. mostly story. It's a story we fabricate. It's our own fear. And sometimes we probably feel more empowered being with this old construct and story yeah. than letting go of it and just really... Again, being vulnerable and saying, you know, you hurt me, but I forgive you or no big deal. Let's just move on. It's yeah. so it's powerful to say this, but we're so afraid. And I don't know why we're so afraid. And again, I have to come back to the very end of the life. Nobody ever said, I'm glad I made a million dollars and I screwed over 18,000 people and I didn't pay them health insurance. Mm. Right. No, it really always comes down to love. Yeah. How well have you loved? Yeah. You know, what is the quality of your love? And why wait to the, you know, last bit, last breath? Why not just think about this right now, right here, and make these changes and therefore live a more fulfilled life? Claudia Gutzelman is my guest. We're talking about transitioning, if you wish, death and dying. Uh, and we hope that you are enjoying the program. We appreciate your being with us. You can see us on YouTube, on the YouTube channel, Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, and other locations. And you can listen to these programs Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesday mornings for the special edition of Tell Me Your Story, 9 a.m. That's Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. ClaudiaGutzelman.com is the website. I believe I have that correct. 
and mm -hmm. it's uh, C-L-A-U-D-I-A-G-O-E-T-Z-E-L-M-A-N-N.com. Uh, I will be linked to your website uh, through the SoundCloud uh, uh, link as well. And, of course, folks who are watching the video can see her website uh, just above her. Uh, as you can see, my website, richarddugan.com, above my, myself here. Um, and this subject is, um, for a lot of folks, not easy. Um, I have only had a couple of examples in my own personal life where I became extremely emotional. Uh, obviously, I mentioned my grandmother passing. But when my friend, a dear friend who passed away in our home, uh, left us, it wasn't until he passed on a Thursday. Uh, and... It was Saturday, and my wife and I, we were both just exhausted, just absolutely mm -hmm. wiped out because we'd been traveling around trying to— well, they took him to one hospital, and we finally found out where that was. Then they flew him by helicopter, which we did not understand. If he was brain dead, this was what they told us, why mm -hmm. would you fly him by helicopter to another hospital? I mean, okay, yeah. they did. Anyway, so we finally found him there. And so we wake up, I, I, we're sleeping all day Saturday, wake up Saturday afternoon, and I could not believe the anger inside. It was one of those things where I guess it was that, how dare you leave? I, I had so many plans for, you know, learning about how to do this and that and the other thing with the cars and what have you. I'm going to miss out on those dinners with those great pork chops that you make and the salads and this and that and the other. Um... And, and so the emotions that come up for people, I, I know that uh, there are the seven stages that I guess mm -hmm. that Elizabeth Kubler-Roth right. talks about. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't, they don't happen in any particular order. They happen no. in whatever order they happen in. Um, but then I've also had more experiences of people passing. Like my dear friend Ramona, who was, I considered her a mentor as well as a friend. She was my acting coach back in Phoenix. And uh, one day I was thinking about something and I, I picked up my phone to call her. And all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. She's not going to be answering because she's not here anymore. Right. <clears throat> um, I, and it's like. My wife keeps telling me because most of her family has passed and my most of my family is still here. Well, all of my family, my brother and four sisters are still here and my parents are still alive. Mm -hmm. And one day I'm going to get that call. And, of course, I, I, you know, and I keep thinking about what I've already experienced. What about what about you? You mentioned your brother, mm -hmm. but you weren't there. Mm -hmm. Um and other uh, other relative uh, relatives. I don't know if you have any other siblings uh, beyond that. Um, has being a doula made it? I don't want to say easier because I don't think it gets easier. But um, are you able to having your having that experience of being a doula? Um, able to face it maybe differently than you would have had you not had you not had the training totally absolutely and you know what the most beautiful thing is that i invited my parents slowly to conversations 
um, we would have never ever had because I didn't have the tools to to to, to invite my parents to this to this into this process. Exactly. At first, when I started talking to them about it, my mom was like, "Well, we know." My dad was like, "I don't need to talk about it because I'm just gonna go die in the house or in the hospital." And then he walked away. It was very uncomfortable. Mm. And then slowly and slowly, I actually there's so if you would work with me. There's this three months plan where we go through all the different stages, you know, of, of, of the process of dying. And like, the, um, what's the current now and what is the action we need to take in order to arrive at the ideal version of the way you want to transition. And I translated all of this into German. <laughs> and I gave it to them. And at first, you know, they're like, oh, my God, no, there's no way we're going to look at this. It felt very, again, vulnerable, right? Exposed. But then slowly they felt more safe. And I explained the more they answer this, the more I can help them fulfill their wishes. Mm -hmm. And so now we're in a very good um, stage, I would say, to, to like where we are on a communication level. There's much more com ease. I wouldn't, I want to, I don't want to say com it's not comfortable, but it's ease. There's more fami familiarity around this topic. And it's not just this shrieking darkness which some some it would happen but it's more like wow okay we have a plan and then because of that it detangles everything right it's just you take it apart it's like this 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 wool which is all messy and it's black and you're like oh my god i don't want to engage in this and now it's just we're taking it apart we're bringing light to it bringing clarity to it and we're like wow so now we, it's, it's, I find it, you know, I'm blessed and beautiful. Yes. And I, I can have this conversation with my parents. What about following the transition? And I don't mean for you and the people who are still here, mm. um, but for the person who has transitioned, has there, is there conversation about what comes next and, and what we know versus what we believe? Uh, I talked to my parents about it, and my parents are, I mean, I, res I it's, again, so personal. Mm -hmm. It's whatever everybody's, their belief system is, and I have no right to question. I, it's radical acceptance, whatever, you know, you, it's your story. So my parents, my mom, she's Catholic, and she has a certain belief. And she asked me the other day, actually, what my belief is, which was <laughs> it was very beautiful that she went there, that she could go there, that she could, that she wasn't afraid because she knows that I have a different belief system that she that in mm. her. And you know, I believe in there's some, something more. There's some another world so to say because how can it be that we do all this work right here all this effort we're putting in to become this authentic being the soul work the grounding you know it's so the mystery and then it just poops it's off it's off it's off it's nothing anymore no no there's definitely a whole another form and we don't know what that form is maybe there is no body maybe there is another body we don't know you and I are on the same page in that regard. It doesn't make any logical sense that it's lights out. However, I will add this proviso. 
if it is and there is nothing after this life, we're not going to know. <laughs> I mean, we're just not because that's out. If we're done. Okay. So I would rather believe yeah. that there's something more. Have you then, ever... You know, there, there's all these people who have this, had these sort of in-between stages, like, right? So Bardo, when they came back and they were, maybe they drowned or had a car accident or, you know, really like gone to this let's say other side for lack of a better word and then return to this body our worldly experience and so again what did they what do they say um then nobody ever speaks that it was crazy and dark and horrific they were like there was a light it was warm and i felt safe and so you know, it's a mystery, but it seems like there's something. Yeah, and I'm not buying scientists' uh, explanation that it's just the uh, b brain synapses and the electrical charges just burning out, and that's what we're experiencing when we're having that, because no. people who have either near-death or even out-of-body experiences have the similar tale to tell. They have the same general story in that regard and it's very interesting. Claudia Gotzelman's my guest. We are talking about uh, the period of life where we go from this world to the next whatever that may be. I, I don't necessarily like to put it that way because the next world is part of this world. It's all part of the same thing basically. We're right. just changing form, that's all. And mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're going to be changing form here shortly to uh, a conclusion to this broadcast, podcast, video cast, uh, which I hope that you will uh, um, listen to, follow, and also follow uh, uh, Claudia on her website, claudiagutzelman.com. We will be linked to her website as well so that you folks can continue your transformational and evolutionary process. Um, how, first of all, how... Uh, how long is it? You said it was a three-month training program for no, the doula? six months. Six months. Six-month six training program. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in that period of six months, were you um, exposed to participating in observing uh, this process with other people, other doulas who were, okay, you're going, mm -hmm. it's like you're an intern in a hospital, okay? No, we... We were a group of people, and this this training, a particular training, was um, um, set in Boulder, and we would spend time together, and we would go through practices, I say, of like really how it is to hold somebody, how to put ointment, you know, all these things, and I mean, it was heart wrenching, raw, and beautiful, and to connect, um, you would. I mean, for instance, this is a very beautiful little practice everybody should do with their beloved one mm -hmm. or with, with, with family member. Just sit across from one another, hold each other's hands and look into each other's eyes five minutes. And what happens? It's just, you, you know, it's like, it's, it's not easy. Because again, it pushes us into this realm of vulnerability and that somebody can really see our so-called soul mm -hmm. so I, I i i invite you know your listeners to to this exercise maybe with the partner or with a family member just to see how it feels and i think it would be a very beautiful sort of preparation to step into that 
in a space of true vulnerability with another human. Because yeah. we don't usually do that. We don't. We don't, you know, we have the eye gaze. We we have contact when we have a conversation, but we don't literally just hold each other's hand and sit across from one another and look at each other in silence. Yeah. It's uh it, it is unfortunate that we don't do that. It really is. It's and it's strange. Uh, and yet, you know, we'll get into relationships where, you know, we want that physical contact. We want to be connected. There are people who even, you know, maybe they get a little obsessive, okay? They get a little uh, clingy, but okay, I understand that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, okay, there are times when we really need it and we really want it and we can't find it. And especially mm. at the end, as you were saying before, there are some people who, you know, just hold my hand or would you please hold me or... Or uh, I need a particular relative here. I need my brother, sister, mother, father, da 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 da. Um, and they will stay until that person arrives, even if they are uh, either A, on life support, or they've been removed from life support mm -hmm. uh, in, in those kinds of extreme cases. Are you familiar with Life Between Lives therapy through the uh, uh, the Dr. Newton Institute, the Newton Institute? No, no. has to do with uh, taking people uh, through conscious hypnosis uh, from the end of their last life into that space between that the end of that life and the beginning of this one. And I've mm -hmm. had that experience. And it was not one of those situations that most people might say, well, he probably asked you a bunch of leading questions. No, it was like... So what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? Uh, wh what, are you, what are you aware of? Those kinds of questions. Not, so do you see this, that, or the other thing? Do you hear this, that? No. And I was a pioneer, <clears throat> a farmer, uh, and I was uh, coming out of my cabin up in the mountains, uh, sat down in the chair, and I tend to go off in this direction here. I sit down in my chair and put my feet up on the rails, tilt my hat back, and I said, man, it's been a good life. And I left. I just left. You would think that it would be that easy, but there's no training. There's no, there's nothing that tells us this is how you do it whereas if you're going to get a new car you're going to get rid of the old one this is the these are the steps you have to do the registration the this the that the other and then you're going to get a new one here's what you got to do but in terms of coming into this world and leaving this world there, there's nothing there's nothing to help us with that is there well but i would like to add so you know i believe that we go through a lot of deaths, smaller deaths, in, through our entire life. Ah. And if we understand that we are actually dying and rebirthing, matter of fact, we do that every morning and every night. When Where do we go when we go into deep sleep? We're going somewhere, and then in the morning it's almost a rebirth because our cells are not the same as when we went to bed. Mm -hmm. Then there's crisis we have and we get to literally become another you know person because we get to reinvent ourselves because of we make changes in our lives or a relationship a job is falling away falling apart and we have to wake up and we're like that's no longer me i don't want that i need to be somebody else so if we really bring attention to that i think then we can sort of practice a little bit what it means to 
after the death and also a rebirth. And then again, that brings this more familiarity to the process and maybe we don't have to be so afraid of the very big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am looking forward, to be, uh, believe it or not, uh, to uh, the day and uh, the time when I transition. I am not looking forward to doing it soon, okay? Uh, but I do not have the fear that most people have. I'm, I'm more curious than anything mm-hmm. else. And the, the process that I found interesting with the LBL program was that um, in addition to the first phase being that sometimes we'll stick around here for a while just to kind of make sure everything's going along, not that we could do anything about it, but nonetheless. And then, um, and then we would, uh, we would uh, basically begin the process of um, resting and relaxing. And then, believe it or not, there is a period of learning. There, there are like classes. You know, our, your education doesn't stop just because you leave this world. It okay. continues. And then you get to associate with, during this period, all of the members, maybe not all, but many of the members of your cluster. You are part of my cluster. Even mm-hmm. though you live in Germany... Mm-hmm. That which animates your physical body is part of the cluster that is part of my uh, of what animates my body, that my essence, my immortal essence. Uh, and uh, and and so, you know, that's the reason why we've connected and so on and so forth. And it was just it was just so much fun. I got to tell mm. you, it was such a blast to right. to experience that. And to hold on to it. And I, I share it on a pretty, pretty regular basis on this program, especially when we're talking about death and dying. Yeah. So let me ask you before we wrap things up. Have you had an out-of-body or near-death experience? And I don't necessarily mean uh, the divorce. Again, you described that as a death, and I, I get that. And, and you, the small deaths that we have in our lifetimes. But have you had those other types that people talk about? I have actually quite often, how should I put this? Um, I feel like I trip out on my own energy. And it's not that I'm taking a substance, but I, I have this I feel I have this feeling I'm super small and I feel the entire universe like surrounding me and that a lot of the things I'm doing are tests. For me to show up as on my true potential and it might sound wacky but i i do i have these i have i had have several and i i sometimes have these dreams where i get messages um yeah i don't know it's that's <laughs> very it's, cool i might i might sound um you know but then we're so much more than what we can experience right and we're so much more we're not just the senses there's so much more to us Mm -hmm. so when we somehow get to connect to that extra layer of what there is then that's just what happens yeah that's exciting 
Well, as you can see, my photograph has changed in my background, and you can see Ireland up there in the center of the picture at the top next to Great Britain. It's one of the places that I want to go, and of course, you're you're in the dark over here. Actually, I should spin this way. You're 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 over here in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting dark. The transition. Right, I'm in the dark. But we thank you so much for being with us, Claudia Goldselman. I thank you so much for being with us and talking with us about this. And again, I'm sure there's a whole lot more that we haven't even touched on yet, uh, mm. and so we're going to have to have you back. Okay. Yeah. This is a subject that I love talking about. I think it's important that we talk about it because the more we talk about it, the less mystif uh, mis mystifying uh, and mystical it is, even though it can yeah. be a wonderful mystical experience. And uh, so we thank you so much for joining us here in the program. I do have three final questions I do want to ask you before we wrap things up. But again, I do appreciate the time that you have given us here. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, I too. Uh, before I ask you those three questions, I want to let our listeners know that we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, Wednesdays at 9 a.m., though all those times are Pacific times. And you can also listen to those broadcasts on uh, my website, which is richarddugan.com, where you click on the Listen Live link. We are on podcasts as well. We have all of these programs, the full version is available for you because the radio broadcast is, well, it's uh, confined to a certain length of time. But the whole broadcast is on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews and see our guests' smiling faces and shining eyes. And um, you can really get a, a sense of who and what and where they're coming from. And we are grateful for the folks allowing us to uh, record the, the, the video as well. We also ask uh, Ask that if this program and any of the programs resonate with you and you'd like to support us financially, we would be so gratefully appreciative. Uh, we have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours on the homepage as well as the missions page where you can also find out more about us and tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. And we also ask you to spend time during this decade of the perfect vision, the 2020s, going within listening to the still small voice. That's something else that we uh, didn't have a chance to get into, but but there was so much else that was coming through and we'll we'll have to bring you back to maybe start there with your own intuition and how that all plays into this wonderful work that you are doing. The three the three final questions that uh, I want to ask you that I ask all of my guests, you may have addressed them uh, during the program, but I like to ask them directly. The first is, who is Claudia Gutzelman? Um, global being, one with the earth. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? If I can help be the vessel that somebody heals because of the tools I can help them develop, my work is done. And finally, what is your life's purpose? To be love. Yep, I'm love. And love is just all there is in this world. And if we understand that it's infinite and there's more, the more we give, the more we get back. 
Absolutely. There is no law of diminishing returns here, ladies and gentlemen. Put out everything. Leave it all on the field, as they say in sports. Leave it all on the field. Take nothing with you. And we thank you so much again, Claudia, for joining us. And we thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.